0: This morning's scripture is from the book of Romans. We'll begin in chapter 7, verse 15, and go through chapter 8, verse 2. You can follow along in your copy of God's Word or on the screen. And if you're here, um, those of you here, if you're physically able, would you stand with me in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word? What I don't understand about myself is that I decide one way, but then I act another, doing things that I absolutely despise. So if I can't be trusted to figure out what is best for myself and then do it, it becomes obvious that God's command is necessary. But I need something more. For if I know the law but still can't keep it, and if the power of sin within me keeps sabotaging my best intentions, I obviously need help. I realize that I don't have what it takes. I can will it, but I can't do it. I decide to do good, but I don't really do it. I decide not to do bad, but then I do it anyway. My decisions, such as they are, don't result in actions. Something has gone wrong deep within me and gets the better of me every time. It happens so regularly that it's predictable. The moment I decide to do good, sin is there to trip me up. I truly delight in God's commands, but it's that not all of me joins in that delight. Parts of me covertly rebel, and just when I least expect it, they take charge. I've tried everything, and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one that can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all my heart and mind. But I'm being pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus the Messiah, the the fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air freeing you from a fated lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, God, we come to you, and uh, Lord, we, we confess, Lord, that as much as those of us who Trust and believe in you and call on you as much as we love you. Father, there are parts of you, parts of us that, that rebel. and there are many times in which we go our own way. Even though we want to do right, we often go the wrong way. And Father, we pray that Lord, your spirit would be at work among us to help us understand. Lord, how we can live lives that are more pleasing to you and how we can walk in the freedom that you have created us to live in. Father, just just be with uh, your word with Father, be with me as I preach, be with everyone who listens. Father, may your spirit be at work among all of us uh, so that your will would be done. And God, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus precious name. Amen. You can be seated. Several months ago I was sitting in a doctor's office um, and I was dealing with a relatively uh, minor uh, medical issue, something that, I, that I've dealt with for a while, and the nurse practitioner said, you know, why don't we try um, changing up the medication that you've been on for another one? You know, it, it, it might work just a little better than what you've been on. And so I'm always, you know, I thought, well, okay, maybe, maybe that'll help. And I said, you know, what, what goes along with this? And she just kind of said, you know, because every medication has its possible this and that and the other. And, and she mentioned um, some things. And, and one of the things was she said, you know, and for some people it can cause irritability. I thought, well, that's no big deal. I'm a calm, cool, collected kind of guy. Irritability, that will not faze me. That will not help me. And, and she said this medicine is going to give me more energy and focus. And I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. I'm a glass half full kind of guy. And so I'm, I'm focused on these benefits and that irritability. Man, I, I don't have to worry about that. And so I get on this medicine and I, I really am. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling like, you know, I have spidey senses, you know, I mean, I'm like everything, I'm alert, I'm awake, this is, this is great, I'm feeling really good, and I'm noticing everything, including all the ways people are doing annoying things all around me, and I'm like, wow, how did I never notice this before, the way these people are acting, including my own family how is this happening but you know i'm chill i'm all right i i I can deal with it to a certain degree you know But uh, somehow what I found out is irritability can be spelled R-A-G-E, rage, okay? (laughs) Because somehow what that she didn't tell me is that little, you know, part from where you get annoyed and then that long bit of filter and patience in between before you kind of blow your top. Well, that medicine just took big old shears to that and cut all of that out. And I went from mildly irritated to like... Gone, you know. I mean, here to here, <laughs> and Denise said, "Tim, you know, <laughs> uh, or one of us might have an address change. You know, so, something is going to happen here, you know." <laughs> um, and, and we talked about this, and we're like, really, ha- things haven't been that bad. And she's looking at me, you know, and um, and, and so you know, like, yeah, because. You know, I understood. I felt like, wow. I felt, I actually felt out of control. You know, I was like, I'd never been on steroids. I've seen people who've been on steroids. And I, ha- I remember having a friend when I was younger who took them and had the whole roid rage thing. And I thought, this is, must be how it is because I went from here to here like that. And you know, guys, it was a scary feeling. It's a scary feeling. To not be in control, and I remember going back to that nurse practitioner and saying, um, "I choose my marriage. <laughs> Let's go back to the to the old medicine. And uh, I may not be as alert and aware, but I'll be alive, and I will be married. And it's you know my family will still love me. Okay, so you know because I realized that." It's just not good when you want to do one thing, but yet your body and your actions are kind of doing another thing. And it made me think a lot about two things. One, it made me think a lot about how I feel for people who get medical conditions and, or hormones out of balance or whatever. And they didn't suddenly become bad people or whatever. But all of a sudden, just like that drug had kind of altered me, all of a sudden they're in a situation where that filter got cut out and, and, and they just lost that because I didn't all of a sudden become some bad, terrible person. I just lost that. But it also made me think about the fact that, you know, however many good intentions we have and how much we think we've overcome things, you know, it just takes one thing. I mean, we can think for a long time, oh, I've worked on my temper. You know, I got this anger thing under control. We, we can think that. And then God could send something along. And it doesn't have to be anger, it can be any number of issues. And sometimes, though, we can kind of get one thing under control and focus on that and feel good about ourselves because we're missing all the other things. And that's, that's the thing about sin sin is multifaceted, sin is, sin is so widespread and, and varied. That, um, you know, Satan's all good if we're like, hey, I am so self-controlled. You know, I have avoided that one thing. Let's, let's put it in the realm of food. Now, food isn't sin, okay? But, hey, we all kind of equate. We look at something and we say, that's sinfully delicious. So we can all think of it in those terms. So let's say that a chocolate chip cookie is sin, all right? And we've decided I'm not going to sin anymore by eating that chocolate chip cookie, and it's right there, all right? And we've said, oh, I'm backing away from it. I'm putting a cover over it. I'm not going to think about it. And we're real proud of ourselves that we're not eating that chocolate chip cookie. We don't realize we've just backed in to the cheesecake, okay? And we're covered in it. And we're wiping it off and licking it. So that's, that's how sin is. We were real proud Because we're not touching that sin but when at the same time we're getting in another sin that we're totally blind to and this is what paul is talking about paul's talking he's brutally honest here this is the guy who's like the number one first christian missionary real worldwide missionary super smart theologian uh you know big time disciplined guy i mean he knew how to just give up everything for the ministry and the gospel's sake, and yet here he is, Mr. Super Christian Apostle, and he's admitting what all of us at times have felt in our lives, like, dude, I want to do the right thing. I mean, I really want to do the right thing. And the next thing I know, I'm doing the wrong thing without even thinking about it. I mean, I totally want to be the good guy. I totally want to do the right stuff. But somehow, I'm ending up doing the wrong stuff. And he says, I, I've kind of figured out it's not even really me. And now, if this was someone else, you might think that they're trying to take the blame off themselves. That is not what the Apostle Paul's doing. <laughs> he talks lots about how our sin, we own it. Okay, it, it's on us. He's not saying that, that we are, you know, aren't responsible for our sin. But he's saying, look, this sin nature deal, or this what he calls the flesh, he's like, it's not just the human body. He's using the term the flesh as it is in some translations. He's using that symbolically. He's he's saying this sinful desire is so deep-seated in us as we live right here on this world that even though that God has given us a new spirit nature, when we were born into god's family and that is totally pure we still have this old thing in us and sometimes we end up listening to that rather than to the voice of god in us sometimes we slip into old habits and old patterns we have this way of doing things have you ever noticed that uh you get around people you haven't seen in a few years and all of a sudden you act in a way. Have you ever gone to a high school reunion, and all of a sudden, like, your maturity goes down 30 years? Because, you know, you start talking to these people the same way you did in high school, what up, bro, or what? you know, whatever, you know, like, hey, I don't talk like that, I haven't for 20 years, or, you know, my kids think it's really funny, because when me and my brother, my brother Rob's here, and when, when we see each other, we'll say, what's up, son, what's up, boy, and that's the way we talk to each other, and it's because of a funny thing that my dad and my uncle used to always do to each other. And we don't talk that way to anybody else, but we just, we just kind of, they. my dad and my uncle were always trying to get the best of each other, calling each other son or boy, and they're kind of asserting each other. And so we, we do this funny thing. It's, it, isn't it interesting? We slip into old patterns real easy, depending on certain circumstances, depending on people we're around. And, and that's kind of like this sin thing. It's like We're Christians, we've chosen to move on from a life of sin and self-centeredness, and yet those old patterns, they're still somewhere there in the background. And Paul's talking about this experience that all of us have, where even though mentally we say, I love Jesus, I want to serve him, I want to live for him, Somehow, sometimes, just like modern cars and we can put them on autopilot and they start kind of driving for us, somehow we shift into autopilot and autopilot goes into these old ways of thinking and acting and living rather than following the ways of God. So I want us to think about his discussion. Three things I want us to, to realize. First of all, all of us have this civil war going on within us. And you know the thing about civil wars well first of all let me qualify that all of us who are actually trying to live for jesus have this civil war some of you or somebody who's listening somewhere you may not have the civil war going on inside of you because you may not be trying to live for jesus okay if you're just like going with the flow only doing what's right whenever it's the convenient thing only when it's the thing that makes you look good or get along with other people when it's an easy thing to do, then you don't have the civil war going on, okay? Because you're just going with the old sin nature or the fleshly way or whatever you want to call it. There's no war going on there. It's a one-sided deal. You're just taking that easy track. But anybody who's trying to live for Jesus has this issue of where, hey, here's God's way, but here's the old way of living that I somehow keep slipping back into. And so there's this tension between these two ways or paths of living. And so all of us have to acknowledge that. And the thing about civil wars is they're the bloodiest, you know. Civil wars are the worst. Uh, Just about any historian will tell you that. I mean, we've all seen these COVID-19 charts lately about how it's growing and spreading than the deaths and all that. And they've started comparing them to past events in our country's history. And they have like, okay, now we've lost more than in 9-11. And now there's been more dead from COVID-19 than Vietnam. And then they're comparing it to World War II. And, and those numbers keep going up. But you, you know what it's a long way away from? Our Civil War. Because the American Civil War was by far the bloodiest and deadliest war in our history. And so you and I have this civil war. And for all the junk that you may have going on in your life outside of you, you know, the struggles at work, the struggles in relationships, family, community, whatever, the greatest struggle that you face is not with people or organizations outside of you. The greatest struggle that all of us face is, is what's inside of us. And if we're honest, we know that because sometimes we all have that thought, if man, if anybody could ever look inside here and inside here, oof, oof, they would never like me or they'd never, you know, I, we, we all know that there's some dark stuff going on. Even if it doesn't stay there long, sometimes the things that come into our hearts and our minds. So there's this civil war going on. The second thing Paul has to say about this civil war is, unfortunately, <laughs> we're getting beat really bad in this civil war. I mean, we, we get beat up real bad. Paul, again, the guy who is as, if you say, man, I've got willpower, Paul. I, I've got willpower. Paul's like, I got you beat. <laughs> Paul's like, I have all the scriptures memorized, Greek, Hebrew, I know, I know all of the, the different rabbis and, and their traditions. I've gone through all the persecutions. I've been beaten, stoned, shipwrecked for Jesus, bitten by serpents. I've, done, I've been jailed so many times, I can't remember. Paul's like, "Look, I, I've done it all. I've sacrificed. It's not about a matter of being tough for Jesus. It's not a matter of willpower. Remember the willpower thing? Remember about the cookie again? Your willpower that you think you have, it, it's just, it's all smoke and mirrors because you're thinking, oh, I'm so strong that I haven't had that chocolate chip cookie, but you've just avoided one little thing and backed into the rest of it because ultimately sin is so much around us that we, we end up slipping into it at some point or another, okay? So, now this would be a really sad sermon if I stopped right here, right? <laughs> I've told you, you got a battle going on and you're going to lose, all right? <laughs> now go home. <laughs> Think on that for a week. That's, that's kind of tough stuff. But, but that's reality. And, and, and I do want to pause here for a second and say, if you stop there, really tragic things are going to happen. And I know a lot of people who have stopped there, either for the rest of their life or long periods of time, and really bad things have happened to them, okay? In the ministry, I've had people come to me and say, you know what, Pastor Tim, I I know that I I need to live right, but it seems like every time that I try to live right, it seems like the devil throws more stuff at me or bad things happen, and I just can't do it anymore, so I'm just going to go back to taking the easy path. I, I just can't. Take it anymore. People literally said that to me. When I try to live right, things go wrong. And and they've stepped back. And and I'm, you know, by the time they've come to me, there's no really, they've made that decision. There's no really amount of me trying to say, you, you don't realize what you're doing. Because they've made this firm's direction until they wake back up and realize what you're giving up when you walk away from the Lord. And and it's just so sad because they don't realize that walking away from God's path is walking away from his protection. And Becky talked about that. Love that illustration of the umbrella, okay? Now that umbrella doesn't mean that bad things don't happen to us. What that means, though, is that God is with us through everything we go through to provide us strength and to provide us help. The problem is so many people are trying to do it without his strength and help. And we'll get to that in a second. Um, the, The other thing is when people stop here and just say, I quit, I give up. What they say is, I've tried this Christian life, and it just didn't work out for me. It was impossible. And again, they were trying to do it on their own. They were trying to do it as in a willpower issue. And maybe they actually realized it wasn't just the cookie. It was everything else surrounding them. And they kind of just threw up their hands and said, I can't do it. And point number three is you don't have to do it. You can't win and you don't have to win because Jesus won for you. I just want to read the last few verses again. I've tried everything and nothing helps. I'm at the end of my rope. Is there no one who can do anything for me? Isn't that the real question? The answer, thank God, is that Jesus Christ can and does. He acted to set things right in this life of contradictions, where I want to serve God with all of my heart and mind, but I am pulled by the influence of sin to do something totally different. With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, that fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter Christ being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. Paul says, With all that I've been through, with all that I have, all the training, by the standards of his day, Paul would have had a Ph.D. in philosophy and religion. Okay? All the experience, all the suffering, all the knowledge, all the connections, he knew all the apostles. With everything he had, he realized he couldn't do it on his own. And then he realized, I don't have to, because Jesus Christ did it for me. Here's the interesting thing about Christianity. Uh, along the way, as a, um, as, a, as a minister, as a Christian, I've tried to learn lots of different ways to share the gospel with people. And um, one of them is a, a very easy way, and it's to ask someone, do you know um, the difference in Christianity and all other religions? You can ask someone, hey, do you know the difference... Christianity and other religions and if they take the bait and say no what is it you can say well it's the way they're spelled all other religions are spelled D-O do all other religions are about what you do how you work hard how you sacrifice how you build how you whatever work your way to heaven to nirvana to whatever it is that you're trying to work your way to Whereas Christianity is spelled D-O-N-E, done. Christ did it on the cross for you. He cried, it is finished from the cross. We cannot add one bit to our redemption. Christ did it all for us on the cross. It's not Christ's work is 99% and you complete the other 1%. He did it all. As the old hymn says, he paid it all. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. All right. So we understand that when we come to Christ, we understand I don't work my way to him. I come to him. It's nothing that I bring. Uh, Jesus takes me as I am. We get that. But our problem is, is sometimes after we come to christ we think okay um now that i i know that i couldn't do anything to earn my salvation but now i got to do something to keep my salvation we fall into this false belief that it's up to me i couldn't i couldn't be good enough to get a relationship with god but now i got to be good enough to keep a relationship with god and friends (laughs) You are no more good enough to keep a relationship with God than you were to get a relationship with God in the first place. That's me. That's every single one of us. All of us have that old, nasty, old sin nature hanging around. It's there, okay? It's around, and it's ready to strike. It's ready to pop out at the most difficult times, all right? So here's the thing. Paul is trying to tell us we've got to get our focus off this old way of thinking where we look at our lives and constantly are focused on ourselves and I'm going to do better, I'm going to be better. Oh, I did bad. I got to be good. Oh, I got to work on this. Oh, I'm got to focus on me, me, me and here's my mistakes and oh, I'm beating myself up and, and this and this constant consuming focus on ourself and our problems and how we have to get better and it sounds like it's a good focus but it's actually a very self-centered way of thinking and Paul goes on we don't have time to read all of it but I encourage you to do it you read all of chapter 8 and Paul is basically saying the way that this war is won is by letting Jesus' victory, claiming that victory, and focusing on him. Because if we focus on ourselves, we're going, if we're honest, we're going to do two things if we focus on ourselves. We're going to lie to ourselves to make ourselves feel better. And that, that's how we become hypocrites. Okay? We, have, we pretend we're better than we are. Or if we're honest, we get real depressed. <laughs> Because again, we all slip and fall and fail and mess up and do the sinful bad stuff that we shouldn't do at times. Paul says, neither of those are good directions. What we do instead is we look at Jesus. And all throughout the scriptures, we're given this advice. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author of Hebrews says, the author and finisher of our faith. Look to Jesus. What did Peter do out on the water when he failed? He took his eyes off Jesus and looked at the wind and the waves. We focus on Jesus. We look at him. Our goal, everything we look at, everything we focus on is on Jesus. And the Bible tells us that the more we look at him, the more we focus on him, we are transformed into his image or his likeness. That doesn't mean on the outside. That means who we are, the person that we are on the inside, becomes more Christ-like the more we focus on him. Focusing on ourselves and how good or bad we are is a losing proposition. We'll either become hypocrites or depressed, one way or the other, because there is always going to be the bad news that we mess up, we fail, that, that you know, none of us are perfect. We don't get there. What we focus on is Christ. And we become more like him by focusing on him and becoming like him. And Paul says, basically, hey, he's the winning team. I'm jumping on board with him. You know what we're like? We're like that 12th man on the world championship basketball team. That 12th guy that nobody knows who he is. Nobody's ever seen him. Maybe he got in 30 seconds at the end, but guess what? He got that ring on his finger, okay? I have to imagine one. There's not one there. But he's got that ring, and he's a champion because he was on the team. And we're like that. We say, Jesus, you've got this. You've got the victory. And we learn to focus on God. Focus on Christ. Now this, I, I want to go ahead and you have to say this, this doesn't mean we say, oh, well, you mean there's no standards or no rules or no whatever? No, that's not what that means. In the, in the chapter earlier on, Paul says, he says, it's not that, that God's laws are bad. He said, if there wasn't ever a law that said, do not covet, he said, I would have just you know, tried to dress up coveting and made it like it was some good moral thing. He said, God's laws were good. He said, but the the devious thing about sin is that sin is so insidious, sin is so tricky, sin is so just devious that what sin does, sin will take something, even something good like God's laws and sin will use, get in there and try to Use God's laws to make us either depressed or prideful. Like, ooh, you never keep God's laws. You'll never be a good Christian. Or, ooh, you keep that law better than that person does. You're better than them. You're a really good person and try to puff you up with pride. So Paul says it's not that the laws, God's laws were bad. They were a good thing. Uh, they, they, They help us. They give us boundaries. But Paul said the point of that, they're good points of reference for us to understand what's right and wrong where we might be confused. But he says the ultimate thing, though, is not studying ourselves and the laws and Christian life is not this checklist of every day. Did I do this? Did I not do that? And, and, and this real rigid, rigid system of living up to do's and don'ts. It's not that form of Christ, of religion. Paul says real Christianity is following Christ. It is trying to live your life in a way that's focused on Jesus and looking at him so you become more like him. So there's this war going on, but you realize, Jesus, you've already got this, and I'm just going to follow you. I'm just going to get behind you because I'm not able. I'm not stronger than sin. I'm not stronger than Satan. I'm not stronger than death. I'm not stronger than all these things in the world. But you are. You overcame all those things on the grave and you proved it with your resurrection power on Easter morning. And God, you've got this. So I'm going to live my life focused on you. So, yeah, there's a battle. And yeah, you're not going to win it. But if you stop there, you're stopping way too soon. You don't have to win it in that sense. You simply have to focus on Christ. And when you do that, you live out your life the way he's called you to live it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, help us to get our eyes off ourselves. By that, I don't mean to be blind. Lord, looking at you obviously reveals to us where we need to change. It reveals to us, Lord, where we need to to grow. We have to be aware of those things. But, Lord, we've got to get the focus off of ourselves. We've got to get to focus on you and your work and how you would help have us love others and fulfill your plans and your goals in loving and serving others, building your kingdom by the way that we touch, that we trust, that we, the, the way that we minister to our brothers and sisters in Christ. God, help us to live these lives that aren't caught up in these constant little worries about are we or aren't we and how good are we or how bad are we, but rather get our focus off of ourselves and get our focus onto you. Lord, help us to be really understanding that the main thing is looking at you and focusing on you Because you've already won the victory. And we just need to let you do your work on us. And get involved and let you live through us the way that you've designed. Father, help us to be more like you. Let your spirit work through us. So that our lives would manifest those fruits of the spirit that you talk about. The love joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Lord, that we, we don't build up those things through willpower. Rather, we allow your Spirit to work through us and those things naturally grow in us. Father, help us To just draw closer to you in a relationship. Not trusting our own goodness, but yours. Father, we pray and we ask all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.